Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Go For It. I am your host, Paul Gannon, for the next two hours. We will be talking sports and having fun doing. I want all your ideas, all your opinions, and all your beliefs. And, of course, as always, you will get a heavy dose of my opinion. If you have an opinion, the number to call, 646-727-3070. That's 646-727-3070. You can listen to the show at blogtalkradio.com slash pgant. That's blogtalkradio.com. Slash Pgan. You can send messages to the show on Twitter at GoForItGan. And while you're there on Twitter, give me a follow at GoForItGan. And also, you can hit us up here in the chat room at blogtalkradio.com slash Pgan. Great show lined up for you today. Expected to be joined by a couple stars of Crazy Sexy Cool, the TLC movie, Drew Sedora, actress and also actor Carl Anthony Payne. They're going to talk to us about this show, this movie, I should say. Big-time movie, did big-time ratings on VH1. They're going to talk to us about it. Also, expected to be joined by Carolina Panthers, defensive end Charles Johnson. Panthers have a big football game tomorrow against the Atlanta Falcons. And a game I look at for the Carolina Panthers, you beat the Falcons tomorrow, in a lot of ways, I think you put them away. This is a team in the Atlanta Falcons, 2-5. and five. Surprisingly, 2-5. and five. I mean, no one, after seven games, expected the Atlanta Falcons to be 2-5. and five. Heck, uh, Willie Rove came on this show first week of the season, before the first week of the season, and he was saying that the Atlanta Falcons would get to the Super Bowl. That they would get to the Super Bowl. So... Obviously, obviously, you look at this game tomorrow with the Carolina Panthers and the Atlanta Falcons. To me, you win, you put the Falcons away. So we're going to talk to Charles Johnson about that, get his take on that. I want to start in the National Basketball Association, basketball the NBA is back. It's back. We're loving it. I'm loving it. Happy. Happy as can be. But I look at the NBA season, and it's been some interesting things. I mean, 82 games schedule. We're only two to three games in. A lot can change. A lot can happen within that time. A lot can change. A lot can happen during that time. But I look at this NBA season at this point and a lot of crazy things going on. A lot of crazy things going on in the NBA. And here's the funny part. (laughs) I'm a lifelong 76ers fan. And I came into this season with this expectation. Andrew Wiggins. I came into the season with one expectation 
and one expectation only, and that is Andrew Wiggins. That was my goal for the 2013-2014 NBA season. Andrew Wiggins. That's it. That's it. That's who I wanted. And I was willing to tank this season for that to happen. I know you have Michael Jordan coming out also talking about in terms of tanking, and it's not beneficial. It doesn't benefit what he does and what he can do and his team. I so disagree. The NBA, as we all know, is about getting superstar talent. Superstars rule the day in the National Basketball Association, plain and simple. Superstars rule the day. LeBron James has won two in a row. What is LeBron James? He is a superstar. Superstars win titles in the NBA. There is not a superstar currently and presently on the rosters of the Charlotte Bobcats, on the Philadelphia 76ers, on the Phoenix Suns. There are no stars on those rosters. None. None. But here's the thing about some of those teams. The Sixers, 2-0. and And, you know, kind of an impressive 2-0 and from the standpoint you beat the Miami Heat. You beat the Washington Wizards in Washington. So, I mean, it, it, it's decent wins. I mean, a lot of people are talking possibly Wizards as a playoff team this year, and we already know what the Miami Heat are. We know what the Heat are. And a lot of people are talking Wizards in terms of being te- a team that can contend for the playoffs. So I look at <clears> – <throat> I look at the two victories by the Philadelphia 76ers first two weeks of the first two games of the season, excuse me, and I, I got to – obviously it's still early. It's still early, and it, here's the thing. You remember the Charlotte Bobcats got off to a great start last season. They got off to a tremendous start last season. I believe it was 7-5 at one point, and I think they they went on like a loss on 18 games in a row, and then they ended up being obviously one of the worst teams in basketball history. I mean, it became one of the worst teams ever. So, you know, you look at it, it's only two games, and you can't read too much into two games. But, obviously, coming into this season, no one expected at any point during this season that the Philadelphia 76ers and the Phoenix Suns would have a better record than the Miami Heat at any point or any time during this season. No one expected that. No one. I mean, when we talk Suns, when we talk Sixers, we talked tanking for Andrew Wiggins. We we talked Andrew Wiggins sweepstakes. That's what we talked. None of us planned on talking about the Sixers being 2-0 at this point. Especially when we saw the schedule in the Miami Heat on the schedule for the first game. So you, you thought at least one-on-one after the first two games. And, again, again, I don't read too much into two games into the season. I don't. I don't read into too, much, too many games. I don't read into two games into the season. But one thing I will say is this. One thing I will say is this. 
and just watching the Sixers, I see a, a team that's definitely going to play hard and they're definitely going to be in ball games. But again, it's only two games, and I got to caution myself even when I say that. Even when I say that, I still have to caution myself because the reality is it's only two games. A lot of basketball to be played. A lot of basketball. Heck, 80 games left. And my thought, and I think a lot of other Sixers fans, Suns fans, their thoughts coming into this season was Andrew Wiggins. Their thought was Andrew Wiggins. Nothing more, nothing less. Sixers fans, you were thinking Andrew Wiggins. So was I. Suns fans, you were thinking Andrew Wiggins. So was I. Bobcats, even though Jordan said otherwise, you're thinking Andrew Wiggins. You got to. Sometimes you got to take a few steps back to move a few steps forward. Sometimes you got to move back to mama's house in order to take that few steps back to ultimately take those few steps forward. Sixers, Bobcats, Suns, especially my Sixers, I wanted you to take that, those a couple steps back. I wanted you to go to mama's house for a couple steps back so you could move a couple steps forward. When we come back, when we come back, we're going to bring in a guy now, the hot Carolina Panthers, three-game winning streak. They got a big football game tomorrow against the Atlanta Falcons. We're going to be joined by defensive end Charles Johnson. You're listening to Go For It on Block Talk Radio. Hello and welcome to Go For It, Donald Faison. Your Knicks have the best chance out east, though. I will say that. The Knicks have the best chance in the Eastern Conference to beat the Miami Heat, and the Knicks have had – some success against the Miami Heat in the regular season, but that doesn't see. mean anything in the playoffs time. When the playoffs come, it doesn't <laughs> mean anything. I was trying to throw uh, you. you know I was trying to throw you a bone, man. I was trying to get your nah. your hopes up. Come on, man. I'm a realist <laughs> too, man. <laughs> Actor Robbie Jones. Well, we know that you know. We know that you can kept married women. We've seen you. You, you have a pedigree. <laughs> We see what you can do. We seen it. I would never bring my wife around you. I just don't know what you're Come capable of. Come on now. Come on now. That's holy. That's not Roxy. That's called brother. All right. Sounds good. Thank you so much. You're very, very good at your job. Thank you, sir. Make it fun. You really do. <laughs> and we're back. And we're going to bring in a guy now. they got a big football game tomorrow. Panthers, Atlanta Falcons, as far as I'm concerned, I look at this football game. Panthers win this game. From my standpoint, you effectively end the season of the Atlanta Falcons, in my mind. I think you win tomorrow. Falcons are done. Let's bring him in now. Defensive end for the Carolina Panthers, Charles Johnson. Charles, how are you, man? I'm good, man. I'm good with y'all. Uh, doing well. Thanks for joining us. So good, so good. Thanks for having me. Charles, you've been dealing with a groin injury right now. At this point, is the groin all right? Are you 100% at this point? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm 100% to go, you know. Okay. Ain't too much going to keep me out of this game on Sunday, you know. (laughs) And I heard you say it, man. I mean, you're a Georgia boy, and you love playing the Falcons. You love doing it. And as you said, when you play the Falcons, 
it's like a little extra sauce. Talk about playing the Falcons and that little extra sauce. Yeah, it's a division game. Um, just from being in Georgia, you know, being born in Georgia, watching the Falcons all the time, you know, just to play against them twice a year, you know. I mean, it's, I mean, it's a blessing. It's a good opportunity, you know, for, you know, just to play well and, you know, all my people back home get to see me. That'd be right. like one of the one of the games that everybody get to watch. So you know, I just try to play play the best I can. And you guys, you're playing the best you can right now. You're playing well. Your defense is playing out well. You're ranked third in defense in this league. You're not teams aren't scoring points against you. Teams are only scoring 13 points per game against your ball club. This defense is so much better than it was last season. Why is that? Um, we got a lot of guys that are buying into the system. You know. Um, and, uh, it's not just just one guy out there making plays. You know, you got multiple guys making plays on different games, and I think that's a good sign, you know, for a good defense. And uh, when everybody buys into the system and everybody know what they got to do, and it, it, the front seven, you know, I mean, the front seven getting after them, you know, and the secondary just covering up. I mean, I mean, the, the sky's the limit to how good our defense will be. Now. You talked about the defense and how well they've been playing. Another guy who's been playing well is yourself. Six sacks after seven uh, games thus far for the Carolina Panthers. Talk about your play at this point of the season. Um, you know, well, I'm doing all right, you know. I missed out a lot of opportunities. But, uh, you know, I just, I just try to keep getting better every game, you know, try to put the team out the best way as possible, not just on the field or off the field, too, you know. Um, I try to I try to pride myself on you know leading by example, but not you know I'm not a vocal guy, but I try to lead by example on the field. Right. And it's showing. I mean, you're getting it done. Six sacks after seven games. Now I look at you guys. Now you're you're four and three, five over five hundred for the first time since two thousand and eight. I gotta ask, man, how's it feel to be over five hundred right now? I mean, it's I mean it's a good feeling, you know, when you come in on Monday. You know, if you got to win on your belt, man, it's better than going through the week with an L. But uh, I, I, mean, I don't, I don't look at it. I don't look at it like you know we being complacent. I look at it one game at a time, and uh, we need to win every game one game at a time, man. If we take that approach, then I think we'll be good. We're talking to Carolina Panthers defensive end Charles Johnson and Charles. You guys are on a three-game win streak, and one of the reasons you guys are on a three-game win streak is first your defense. And also Cam Newton, 77% completion percentage, 130 quarterback rating. Talk about the play of Cam Newton during this three-game win streak. I mean, he's balling. You know, he's living up to his height. I mean, he's doing everything he got to do. You know, he's coming out, working in practice every day, staying out there late, you know, and doing all the things possible, you know, try to to be a good quarterback, you know. And uh, I don't think he's just trying to – hold everything on his shoulders. I mean, everybody else is, is adding on to it, the running game, the receivers. And, um, I mean, it's just, it's just coming together for him. But, like I said, he got to take it one game at a time. He can't look forward. He can't look behind. He just got to keep going. And during this three-game win streak, a lot of people are talking, okay, during this three-game win streak, this, this Panthers team has played teams with a combined record of 4-18. and 18. How do you respond to that? Um, every game is hard in the NFL, no matter who you are. You know, you got to come to play every Sunday. Um, undefeated team can beat by a, 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 
uh, a one in twelve team. I mean, it doesn't matter. I mean, everybody right. get paid. Everybody get paid to be a professional. So you have to come play every Sunday. I mean, that's that's, that's probably not fair when people say stuff like that. But all I can do is, you know, we just try to go and win the next game. Now you look at you guys over the last sixteen games. You guys have been two and fourteen in games decided by seven points or less. Why do you think you guys have struggled in those close games? Um, we we haven't learned we we didn't learn how to finish. You know, we got to learn how to finish and uh, playing all four quarters. It'll be some games that we come out hot, and then you know we'll we'll, we'll start getting cold at the end of the quarter, in the fourth quarter. And um, we, we we just didn't finish those games. But, um, I mean, you got to start from somewhere, you know. So we just learned it from our mistakes, man. We got to execute on what we did wrong on those and then try to learn from what we did wrong. Now, do you see you guys overcoming that during this season? you think that's going to end at this season? you think you guys are going to be able to start closing games as the season progresses? I think so, you know. Um, it's, it's all about just coming out preparing every every week every, during the week when it's Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. You got to play like a game, and then you know Sunday should be the easy part because you already know everything you done did through the week. So as long as we keep preparing and doing what we got to do, don't worry about what the outsiders say. You know, just just keep it inside and, and, and keep our focus on the main goal. And I think we'll be all right. We're talking to Carolina defensive end. Carolina Panthers defensive end, excuse me, Charles Johnson. And Charles, the Falcons right now coming off a bad loss against the Arizona Cardinals. And this team right now is struggling, 2-5. and five. The way I look at it, I, I believe that if you guys can win this game, you can effectively put away the Atlanta Falcons. How do you see it? Um, I don't see it nothing like that. You know what I'm I feel the okay. division game. All our division games are played tough. Doesn't right. matter who it is, you know. Doesn't matter what the record is. Division games in our um, division are played tough always. So we got to come to play. We got to bring our A game. Uh, we're not looking at their record because we know they got good players. They got a good quarterback. They got a strappy defense. So we just gonna have to bring our A game all around, first team defense and offense. But if if you make them two and six. You don't think – I'm not saying they're done, but you definitely put them on the ropes. Uh, I, ain't, I ain't worried about what we, what we make them, you know what so I'm saying? I'm worried about what, what our record going to be. So okay. I'm not looking at what they're going to be. I'm looking at what we're going to be. Okay. And you look at this Falcons team, you talked about it, Matt Ryan, Tony Gonzalez, they still, Steven Jackson, they still got some players on their team. Yeah. This is not your typical 2-5 and five football team. What do you feel like you guys need to take away from them to make them two and six and to win this game? Um, you know they're going to try to come out and establish the run. Um, they got to establish the run and try to get the pass game going. So we're going to stop out the run, knock out that run, and then um, depend on our front four to get up the quarterback. You know, if we can get up the quarterback with our front four, without blitzing or anything, then we'll be good. You know, we pride ourselves on um, getting up and just with the front four and the uh, defense quarter, they don't have to call blitzes and stuff like that. We're just taking it on all hands. And when we can do that, then uh, I think we can win again. Now, I know in the National Football League, you guys take it one game at a time. But I look at the next few weeks which, for you guys. I mean, you have the Falcons, you have the Niners, and you also have the Patriots coming up the next three weeks. I think we're going to learn a lot about the Carolina Panthers 
in these next three weeks. You Do you believe that? I agree. I can agree totally about that. You know, it's going to be some big tested games, you know. We're going to see where we are, you know what I'm saying. Um, just uh, playing the elite teams that are going to be coming up pretty soon. So, man, not worry about uh, the next couple of weeks, but I agree. That's, that's going to be a big test. Do you feel like at this point that you guys are a legitimate playoff contender? Yeah, I mean, I feel that we're, we're contenders. You know, we're relevant. Um, but, you know, at the same time, we got to go out and prove it. We don't, we don't want right. nothing given to us. We don't want nobody, you know, you know give us no credit. We just we just go out and take it. And, and we'll see if you take it tomorrow against the Atlanta Falcons. Charles, you're doing big things with the Charles Johnson Foundation. Tell us about some of the great things you're doing with this foundation. Um, I'm, I'm giving out scholarships uh, to um, – a boy and a girl uh, athlete um, uh, from my hometown. I do that every year. I host a, uh, I host a camp, a free camp to uh, all ages, uh, basketball, football, cheerleading um, down there in South Georgia uh, every year. And um, recently we'll be doing, uh, we're starting up our Boys and Girls Club um, pretty soon, probably the end of this year. And um, we're, um, the whole um Foundation is based on uh, uh, single uh, black African American uh, parents, and uh, okay. we're we're we're, um, we're we're getting close to uh, starting and launching uh, a couple of things off of that uh, probably by the end of this year. Now, where can fans find information about some of the great things you're doing with the Charles Johnson Foundation? Uh, you can find out on CharlesJohnsonFoundation.org. Uh, okay. It's a website. Um, I mean, it's all the information you need on that. Now, Charles, I, I know you're on Twitter, and I, your Twitter name is your Twitter handle, I should say, is Randy Watson. Yes, sir. Where did that come from? Uh, if you ain't seen the movie uh, Coming to America, then I knew it. Know. I knew it. <laughs> I knew it. I, I just had to let you say it, but I knew it. I, I thought it was that. <laughs> Randy Watson. Yeah, that boy good. <laughs> he real good. Good boy, good. <laughs> fans make sure you go to charles johnson charles johnsonfoundation.org and make sure you hit him up on twitter at randy watson that's two t's that's two t's w-a-t-t-s-o-n yeah, make man. sure you hit him up there hit him up on his website and support some of the great things charles johnson's doing charles pleasure talking to you man wish you nothing but the best of luck against the falcons tomorrow let's do this again I appreciate it, man. Thanks for having me. Take care. Yeah. Charles Johnson, defensive end for the Carolina Panthers. Randy Watson. Randy Watson. I I, I knew it. I knew that's what it was. When I I knew it was coming to America. I knew it was that. I I, I knew it was that. I just I just had to get confirmation from. Charles Johnson. But you look at the Carolina Panthers tomorrow and in that particular football game, it's going to be it's going to be a tough game from the standpoint obviously the Atlanta Falcons are struggling and I didn't expect them to lay the type of egg that they laid against the Arizona Cardinals last week. Actually, I'm in a suicide pool and I actually thought about uh possibly taking the uh Atlanta Falcons in that game against the Arizona Cardinals. I didn't expect 
the Cardinals to come up, I mean, not the Cardinals, but the Falcons, to, to lay an egg. I mean, they laid an egg in that particular football game. They laid an egg. And, you know, this was a team that, again, as I said, coming into this season, a lot of people had this team going very far. Super Bowl. I mean, it's, it's, it's been that way for the past few seasons when it comes to the Falcons. A lot of people were talking Super Bowl when, it talk, when, when you talk about the Falcons. They were talking Super Bowl. And this is a team over the past few years have that, you know, many expected to take that next step. They took it, and they finally won a playoff game last season and ultimately got themselves to the NFC Championship game where ultimately they would lose to the San Francisco 49ers. And, again, they probably should have won it if they got off to a very fast start and <clears throat> was very close to, to completing that particular victory as Matty Ice was down there close, couldn't get it done. I look at the Falcons now, and it, it just – you look at the NFL. You look at sports in general. When you have an opportunity to, to, to grab it, you've got to grab it because tomorrow is never promised. And then you come in this season, you look at the Falcons, Julio Jones, going for the year, Roddy White, nagging injuries, in and out of the lineup, Steven Jackson, in and out of the lineup. I mean, Tony Gonzalez came back with the sole purpose of trying to win a ring. It's, it's kind of similar to what happened with Brett Favre. You remember what Brett Favre? 2009, tremendous season, 33 touchdowns, eight interceptions. I mean, Brett Favre played crazy in that season. I mean, he was, he was off the charts. It was un-Brett Favre-like because it was only like seven interceptions that he threw. I mean, that's not Brett Favre-like. But anyway, 2009, they had that magical run, and Brett Favre throws that interception to Tracy Porter. Ultimately, the Saints were getting into overtime. Ultimately, the Saints will win that game. They decide to bring Brett Favre back. Jared Allen goes out there. whole bunch of guys jump on a plane. Let's bring him back in. Come on, Brett. Let's do it one more time. 2010, Brett Favre is not the Brett Favre that he was in 2009. Brett Favre stunk up the joint. And, you know, in stinking up the joint, ultimately, the Minnesota Vikings, a team that many thought could and would contend, ultimately was a team that stunk to join up in that particular season and a team that just fell apart. And Brett Favre wasn't the same quarterback. Now, Tony Gonzalez is still playing some good football. But the thing about it is injuries hurt your situation. Injuries hurt your situation. Injuries are never good for your situation. And I was thinking possibly – you know, Tony Gonzalez, I know he said he wasn't asking for a trade, but I was thinking maybe they could have worked something out because Tony Gonzalez, this is probably it for him. I mean, he had to be coaxed back this season to come on back and, and play. So this is probably it for Tony G. But I look at, you know, the whole situation with the Falcons, and to me, and, and you know, to me, if they lose tomorrow, they're done. They're done as far as I'm concerned. They'll be three and, uh, two and six, and, you know, they're done. They're obviously not – I'm not – it's just injuries. You know, football is a funny – sports in general is a funny thing sometimes. Injury can be, injuries can be the great equalizer. The Falcons are – you know, this is a team that's just not getting it done, and Matty Ice 
four interceptions last week against the Arizona Cardinals. So I look at this team, and I say to myself, and looking at this football team, I just don't see the magic. But I don't want to. I don't want to count this team out just yet, because the reality is in the NFL, a lot can happen. A lot of football games to be played. A lot can happen. A lot can happen. So I don't want to put them out just yet. But I'm, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to look at their schedule, and I'm going to look at their schedule right now, and it's going to tell me all I think I need to know about the Falcons moving forward, whether or not. They can make a run, whether or not they can be effective, whether or not they, they can make things happen, whether or not they can make things happen. I, I'm going to look at this Falcon schedule, and I'm going to tell you whether or not this team could turn this thing around. I thought Arizona, I thought Arizona would, 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 would be – the team that the Falcons would get right against last week and ultimately get back. But <clears throat> they didn't. And you go at Carolina tomorrow, Panthers playing some big-time football right now on both sides of the, uh, of the ball. I mean, defensively, offensively, they're getting it done. You go to Carolina, then you are at home against Seattle, then you're at Tampa Bay, a team that you should win and beat. But then you go – home to New Orleans, you're home to New Orleans, then you go to Buffalo, and then you go to Green Bay, and then you have Washington, a game at home that you can win, and then you go to San Francisco. This is going to be tough. I mean, Seattle, San Francisco, New Orleans, and Green Bay still on your schedule. Those three teams still on your schedule. You're sitting at two and five, and, you know, what's the best you can do out of those, two and six? I mean, two and one, I should say. And that's saying you're going to beat Carolina twice. And I don't know if I necessarily see that happening. Um, and so, and there's some winnable games. That Buffalo's winnable. Washington at home is winnable. Um, Carolina at home seemingly is winnable. Um, but I don't see it. I think the Falcons are probably going to miss the playoffs. And I, you're probably going to need at least 10 wins to get the wild card spot. You're going to need at least 10. I'm thinking at least 10 to get that wild card spot. If you can get to 10, you probably get the wild card spot. Or you'll have an opportunity. I don't want to say I don't want to say you're going to definitely do it. You'll have an opportunity because you look at uh the uh Chicago Bears last season 10 and 6 and they missed out on the playoffs. So it's not necessarily a guarantee, but I'm just looking around, just looking around the NFC and, and just some of the teams involved. Obviously, either Seattle or San Francisco is going to get one of those wild card spots. And then you have out there Detroit that's out there at 5-3. and three. You got Carolina's 4-3. and three. Um, So either Detroit or Green Bay is probably going to get the wild card spot. Can't count out the Bears. We'll see what happens without Jay Cutler, but I don't think he can count out the Bears just yet. Um so, I'm, you know, you look at the Lions, look at the Packers, you look at the Lions. I mean, I think it's going to come down to the Lions for that second wild card spot because either San Francisco, San Francisco or Seattle is going to get that first one. It's going to come down to the Lions, Panthers, Bears, 
and I guess you can probably. And I mean, right now Arizona's there, but mm, I don't. I don't think Arizona has the quarterback play. They have the defense. I don't think they have the quarterback play to take it any further than that. So I think it's going to come down to Arizona, Carolina, um, Chicago, and Detroit in terms of the wild card spot. And those are, that's who the Falcons are going to probably have to beat out if they want to get to the playoffs. And that's very, very surprising. No one thought the, the, the Falcons would be fighting for their playoffs lives and we would be talking about the Falcons possibly missing the playoffs. No one. Sticking in the NFL, Justin Blackman. Justin Blackman. This guy now suspended indefinitely, violating the substance abuse policy in the NFL again. This is the guy who was suspended for the first four games for a violation of the policy, and now he does it again. It's 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 got to be frustrating when you look at the Jacksonville Jaguars. It's just got to be frustrating. I mean, this is a guy with tremendous talent, tremendous talent, but he seemingly can't get it right. He can't get it right. This is a, he, he's he's a knucklehead. Bottom line, he's a, it's just a, he's a knucklehead. And, uh, you know, being that he's a knucklehead, knuckleheads do what knuckleheads are going to do. And, and Justin Blackman, 23 years old, you know, he's, he's, he's losing salary. He's missing out on money. He's messing with his money doing this stuff. He's got to get this thing right. He's got to get this thing right. He's got to. He's got to get it right. I mean, you know, <laughs> Jacksonville, it's, it's just a – Bad, bad situation. A bad situation. And, you know, you look at Justin Blackman, he's had issues. He's had issues. You know, he definitely had issues. DUI in 2010. This this guy's had issues. And he can't seemingly keep himself clean and out of trouble. Can't do it. He can't do it for whatever reason. But he's going to have to do it if he wants to continue his NFL career. That's just the bottom line. His NFL career can't continue if he's out here being a knucklehead. It won't and it can't. And it's a lot of I mean, sometimes the NFL comes down to not only your talent on the field, but your talent off the field in terms of keeping yourself straight in terms of doing the right things, in terms of being a good person. I mean, it's that simple. It's that simple. We'll see if he can get it right. But obviously the Jacksonville Jaguars, you know, was it Matt Jones who had some issues with drugs? Jimmy Smith, issues with drugs. Wasn't there J.R. Sauer who had issues with drugs? Um, Guys over the years who, for whatever reason, can't stay clean. Can't stay clean. It's a sad situation. You hate to see people lose money and mess up their lives because they can't do the right things. Sad story. Another story that's out there, interesting story, Richie Incognito and the whole situation with Jonathan Martin. You know the Jonathan Martin offensive tackle for the Dolphins who has left the team. And from all reports, 
it's because of a possible bullying type situation. I know apparently he was in the cafeteria. Guys may have pulled a prank on him, slammed his tray out, and has not returned since. Has not returned. And Martin is, is a guy, young guy, obviously dealing with some kind of emotional issues. Obviously. I mean, if, if he's doing all that, he's probably dealing with some emotional issues. I mean, second year in the league, only 24 years old. And it's just, I mean, you look at it, Martin, I mean, you're in an NFL locker room with men. And, you know, we we, we look at bullying, and, and you don't look at bullying from the standpoint of uh, of uh, adults. I mean, I guess adults get bullied, but you never look at it from the standpoint of adults. It's always usually kids, you know, and, 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 you know, the big guy picks on the little guy. And because of that, because of the big guy picking on the little guy, and the big guy tends to maybe a little older, could be the same age, but the big guy is picking on the little guy. John DeMar's a big boy. He's a big boy. I mean, he's no little kid. 6'5", 312 pounds. Can you bully a 6'5", 312-pound man? I guess not physically, but possibly emotionally. Especially if his esteem is not where it should be or where it needs to be for him to have a level of success in life. I mean, I look at it, and, and here's the thing. When you throw the word in this society at this point in our lives, when you throw the word bullying out there, people, and I talked about this last week with the 91 to nothing situation in Texas. When you start talking about bullying, people, you know, have an extra level of sensitivity, and I get it, and I understand it, because people have committed suicide because they were bullied, and they felt they had no way out. But you're, you're talking what? More often than not, you're talking teenagers when we talk bullying in that particular situation. He's a man, you know. He's definitely a man. And at this point, you wonder what's going to happen. You know, you wonder what's going to happen. Does, does Incognito, Richie Incognito, does he possibly get suspended? Does he get suspended? I mean, what happens? Is there a sizable fine here? And even with that, when Jonathan Martin returns to the locker room, how is he going to be received? I mean, are, are people going to be willing to be around him, talk to him, because this is a guy now, you know, who might explode. You don't know what you can say to him. You don't know what you can say to him. You don't know what you can say to him. You know, you, 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 so you have an extra level of sensitivity because you're not sure. You're not sure if it's acceptable to say anything to this guy. I mean, can you say anything to Jonathan Martin? Because you don't know how he's going to react. And, and, you know, in harassment, maybe Richie Incognito was malicious. Maybe he wasn't. You know, maybe he wasn't. I mean, obviously a guy with a decent reputation in this league. And I, I you know, would assume, you know, just on the surface, I'm, not, I'm just talking surface level, obviously. I'm assuming surface level that it would be, you know, fairly innocent. 
I would think it would be fairly innocent, but I'm not there. I'm not there. But when it, when it, when it comes to bullying, obviously, you know, that's going to perk a lot of ears, and there's going to be a level of sensitivity towards it. And, and people are going to really take those things seriously. People are really going to take it seriously. Understandable. Don't get me wrong. So we, 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 we can't be oversensitive. We, we can't have an oversensitivity towards the whole situation. We've got to be, you know, kids are kids, but this is not a kid situation. But in general, when it comes to that situation with bullying and kids, kids will be kids. And, and people will be people. And, you know, sometimes I'm a guy that likes to joke a lot, and sometimes I have to, to feel like I have to watch myself to make sure that I'm not making a person feel extra uncomfortable with some of the things. I, I never, my intent to bully anybody. I, I like to have fun. I, you know, I like to laugh and have a good time. But I, I don't mean anything by it. And I'm, you know, I don't, again, I don't know Richie Incognito, so I can't say if he meant something by it. I can't say if he didn't mean anything by it. I can't answer that. I don't know. But I will say this. Isn't it kind of hard to bully a 6'5"? 312 pound man. Is, is it possible to bully a 6'5, 312 pound man? I, I obviously I think it's more to the story. There has to be more to the story. There's there, there's definitely more to this story. There has to be. Because why? Why do you, do you miss a game because of it? Is it is it that? Obviously, it's it's that big of a deal. It's definitely that big of a deal for him. And I don't want to be insensitive to his plight and his situation and his story. I don't. But I will say this. Is it difficult? To me, it, it seems very difficult to bully at least physically, obviously. And I think sometimes we think of bullying as mostly mostly physical, but I guess it can be mental and emotional as well. It can be that as well. And, you know, a lot of teams, a lot of players are saying the right things in this whole situation. We want them to give right. We want them to be good. You know, we don't want... Him, you know, we want him to be the best he can be emotionally. That's what we want. We want him to be the best he can be emotionally. That's what we want. And again, team are just supporting him, seemingly. Coach and staff supporting him, seemingly, publicly. It's crazy. It's it's just not your typical. Type of story, and you, know, you, you hear about hazing and all that stuff going on in NFL locker rooms. You hear it all the time. It's a part of the situation, but I don't think we ever heard of it in this sense of, of bullying. And I think this is more emotional than anything. This is an emotional situation because, again, and especially if it, I mean, Rich just said Richie Incognito may have led the charge, but. Again, it's, we'll see how the story t- uh, turns out. And it should be interesting moving forward to see how this story plays out. But we're going to switch gears now. 
last week the big TLC movie. A lot of people watched it. A lot of people saw 4.5 million views or on VH1. A lot of people were watching it. A lot of people love TLC and love some of the things they've done over the years. Interesting stories. So, but we're going to bring in a guy now who uh, played a key role, played Ellie Reed in that story. You remember this guy, Carl Anthony Payne. You remember him from Martin, where he played Cole Brown. You remember him from uh, the Bill Cosby show, where he played uh, Cockroach. You remember this guy. You remember him very much, though. So we're going to bring him in now. Let's bring him in now, one of the stars of Crazy, Sexy, Cool, the TLC story, actor Carl Anthony Payne. Carl, how are you, man? What's good? What's good, player? What's good? Uh, it's, it's all good. It's all good. Thanks for joining us. Absolutely. Thanks for having me, man. Thanks for having me. Now, now Carl, you're getting a big-time buzz for your role as L.A. Reid in Crazy, Sexy, Cool. First off, man, how did that role come about for you? Uh, let me see. Basically, um, I had been spending a lot of time in Atlanta, reestablishing myself down in Atlanta and my, my brand down there. And uh, I reached out to Chili, who uh, is a friend of mine. And um, basically, she she was like, yo, you know, I'm casting this thing. I'm, you know, I'm not really happy with the way casting is going. We haven't been able to find someone. So I need you to come in. I need you to go in there. And she's like, a lot of people don't know you have, you know, dramatic skills and, you know, you can play all these different roles. She's like, but I've seen you. I know this, you know. She's like, and this would be a great opportunity for you. So I was like, all right, cool. And, uh, you know, I basically uh, couldn't, I couldn't even make it to the audition because of my schedule. But uh, I put myself on tape. And uh, I went all out. Like I thought I was, I thought I was going to be playing Ellie Reed from today. So okay. I went and shaved all my facial hair off, and I had my a makeup team come in and like you know do me a bald wig and everything. And I like right. transformed into Ellie Reed today, like from the X Factor, right? Right. And right. I sent that, and I sent that in, and that was uh, that's how I got the job. But then by the time we shot it, I had do my uh, facial hair back. And okay. they're like, no, 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 it's perfect. Now that you have a beard, this is exactly what we want because we want to, you know, early 1990s circa L.A. Reed, you know? Right. <laughs> Obviously, you, you, you said earlier that Chili was your friend, but were there things that you learned about TLC doing this movie that you didn't know about them? I, got a, I think I got a better insight into, I mean, just like everyone else, we know them as, as, as you know, the group TLC and they have that kind of persona, but but you know we don't really know the people, you know what I'm saying, right. and who they are and how and the things that they had to deal with, like you know Tion and having to deal with sickle cell, and you know I think it brought new awareness to some of the just basically humanizing, you know, them because they look you know a lot of times people look at superstars or stars as these other people, but. You know, just like everyone else, they have to go through the same things. And me being in this business as long as I have and have gone through some of those same things, it was a story that was all too familiar. Okay. You know what I mean? Okay. So, and, and uh, you know, I applaud them for being, I don't know if no brave is the word, but 
just for telling their story. You know what I mean? Because right. because when you have when you when you when you live a publicized life, just like in the movie, you know, people have their own opinions. And they think things are one sided, and then it's always nice to see a different side of the story. Definitely, definitely, and you got an opportunity to do that now. You talked about you've been in this entertainment game for a long time. And one of the big things that came out of that movie was the situation with Pebbles and, and their contract situation. Your thoughts on mm-hmm. that whole situation with TLC and Pebbles? Well, my thoughts on that, if they signed a contract, like, like the lawyer has an obligation too, an ethical obligation. You know what I mean? Like right. at, at, at anything. It's just about ethics and morals at the end of the day. You know, it's true, and they've admitted it to their own fault that, hey, we were naive, you know, we didn't read our paperwork, you know what I mean? And that's a lesson in itself to tell people, hey, check your paperwork. I tell people all the time, you know, this is show business, but the business is bigger than the show. So you got to be up, you got to be up, you know, you have no one else to blame but yourself. But also in this business, not only we as young African-Americans, blacks, or just, you know, in general, like, we, we're not, we don't have all the information. We're not told these things. So I think that was a very good thing to basically bring to the forefront, too, like, be aware of, you know, you are the commodity, you are your business, so you have to make sure you take care of that part of it. Definitely. You know what I mean? Because at Definitely. the end of the day, you can point as many fingers as you want, but it's still going to come back to you. At the end you of know, the day. Because, right, right, because you can't, you can't expect everyone to be, you know, thinking that this is all a bed of roses and that, you know, I always say you don't get what you deserve, you get what you negotiate. Right. At the end of the day. (laughs) At the end of the day. Well, you look at it, I mean, you look at the whole situation with Pebbles. I mean, in watching the movie, it it almost seemed like she was made to be the villain. Did did you see that after watching it? what What I took away from it was one person or two people or, you know, a, a certain point of view or perspective of uh, what was going on. Right. Um, I think, I don't think we can judge or say what wasn't true. I mean, like I said, I've been in this business a long time, so I've seen things and have had things happen to me. Whereas, like, America falls in love with these people. So, you know, they can't imagine them doing these things. They can't fathom these people doing these things or saying these things. But if I was one of the members of TLC or the group and, you know, something happened to me where, you know, something was said at a critical moment in my life where something was said, it's like, I think I'm going to remember that. And right. I'm, I'm not going to be worried about getting in trouble for telling the truth. Sure. So if it's the truth, it's the truth. Right. If it's the truth, it's the truth. And I don't think anybody's going to put themselves out there in a situation where they have to, you know, defend themselves or, or basically be worried about slander and all these different things if it's not true. Right. So, so again, I was just, you know, you know, it, it's it's a bold and brave statement to be able to do something like that. Um, you know, I, I I think they handle it pretty well as far as, you know, what they're saying and how they're dealing with all the controversy around it. You know, they're like, yo, look, you know, it, you know, and they'll tell you in a minute, listen, we're just telling the truth, you know, and right. this is from my perspective of what it is. So, um, and, and I get the sense in talking to you, it, it basically it is what it is. Yeah. 
Yep. We're talking one is. of the. I'm, yeah, go ahead. I mean, if you, I mean, look at it like this. How many years ago was that? Twenty years. Right. And it wasn't like they've been crying for twenty years and they're trying to get some money from some. You know, what I mean, it's not. So they're. It's not like they're trying to gain something from it. Right. That's another aspect that I think people have to look at. It's like, I'm not trying to gain anything. I'm not. I'm not trying to sue anybody. I'm not. You know. This is not. It's not that kind of a party, so. Right. We're talking to one of the stars of Crazy, Sexy, Cool, the TLC story, Carl Anthony Payne. And, Carl, in this particular movie, as you said, you tapped into the dramatic side of your acting skills. Was it difficult for you to, to get dramatic roles after Cockroach, after Cole? Um, yes, yes. Pause. I'm going to answer that question, but I want to add something to the last question you asked. Okay. I think that. I think that I would like to see the other side of it as well, though. You know what okay. I mean? Like, it'd be interesting It'd be interesting to see or hear what the reasoning behind some of those things or decisions that were made, you know. Because a lot right. of times, like, like, like I said, there's always two sides to a story or three sides to a story. So, yeah, I'd be interested <laughs> to see the other side. Or <laughs> I'd be interested <laughs> to hear, you know, because even in life, man, you know, come on, you know how it is. Like, let's say, let's say, you know, you loan somebody some money, and now you need the money back, and they ain't calling you back, and you know, you don't know what's going on with that person, though. True. You know, they might be going, they might be going through something, but in your mind, you're like, yo, they ducking, they ain't trying to pay me my money. <laughs> but until you actually speak, <laughs> until you actually speak to that person, you don't know what the reason is to why, you know, or, right. or what they're going through. So, you know. I'm interested to see all sides. Now, boom. Second question that you asked me, yes, it was difficult because I think it was a gift and a curse and a compliment and, and a diss at the same time because apparently, you know, people have fell in love with this role that I, I, I did really well, but that's how they saw me. And that's how they saw me in person too sometimes before they met me. Like they were assume. They thought you were dumb? Just before they, before they even meet you, they would assume that you're supposed to be like your character on the show. Okay, okay. You know, and and I'm nothing like that. So when people meet me, they're like, man, you're nothing. I'm like, yeah, because that's a character. That's <laughs> that's TV. That ain't who I am. Like, of course I'm nothing like that, you know? But did that bother you? Uh, it only bothered me. It only bothered me in the sense of, of, of you know, being able to get other roles or or to broaden my brand, you know, and stretch right, in right. my career, you know, because it's like, yeah, because they prejudge you without even, like, right. give, giving you a shot, which is kind of a, a typecast in a, in a way. You know, I had to fight to get in the room. I had to fight to show, you know, I was classically trained. I just happened to make it and, you know, you know what I mean? And, and it's just like other people's stories, too. You know, Jamie Foxx, these people came to, to Hollywood to be singers. Mm-hmm. They didn't come to be comedians. He came to be a singer. <laughs> you know what I mean? And happened to make it as a comedian, which happened to make it as an actor, and then he had an album. Right. So you got to you know? get in where you fit in, pretty much. You do sometimes. You do sometimes. Right. But sometimes, you know, it's just like Sylvester Stallone, and he tried to do serious roles. It was like, get out of here, man. You're the action dude. Nobody wants So it's like you do, such, you do one thing, and that's where people want to keep you in that box. People want to keep you where they, they want you. Or where they think right. you belong without without even letting you you know. And then he proved to people too. Same thing. I like to use him sometimes as a 
an example because he showed you the depth and the range of of what he could do with with Ray. Right. When where where you might have thought never in a million years could Wanda from In Living Color do that. <laughs> You're right. You're right. You know, but that's where we got to get out. Of, that's where we got to stop. You know, stop putting people in these boxes, man. We got to stop. You know, we got to let people give everybody a shot to do what they do and let them, you know, shine. You know, be open-minded about about everything. And we have 20 years of TLC, and we have 20 years of Martin as well. What made that show so successful? Chemistry. Okay. Timing, timing and the chemistry. Because you had a star who was was doing relevant material. You know what I'm saying? Okay. It had never we had never had a show where the star was actually bringing it to you like your next door neighbor, like the guy that you grew up with, like the like the you know what I'm saying, like the way he bought the the material to you, the storylines, the things that we were doing and talking about and dealing with and from the from the slang and the vernacular to the characters. It was like you could everybody could identify with somebody on that show. Definitely. And I think Definitely. and I think that's that's what made it work. Plus our chemistry to the point where it was like you knew we was friends forever. You knew we hung out. You knew right. it was tight like that. Now you play Cole or Martin. You played a, a pretty dumb dude to you know, it is what it is. Hey, you hey, he wasn't dumb. dumb. He wasn't <laughs> dumb. He was naive. <laughs> okay. There's a okay. difference. All right, let me it let me rephrase different. that. You, naive, you played naive, a, not not as worldly. Okay, you, you played a naive dude, a, a pretty naive yeah. dude. Did you enjoy that role? <laughs> of course, of course, I had a great time playing that role. It was fun. Okay, I mean, come on. How many times in your life have you wanted to just, or, or we've, we've we've done it in certain situations? We've all played dumb. We've all played. <laughs> You know, <laughs> we've all played played that guy or knew that guy, and that was fun. To do. It was fun to be able to go, you know, because that's how my mind works sometimes anyway, meaning the opposite. Right. You know, you know where it's like if you're watching Jeopardy and the question comes on and you're like, okay, ooh, ooh I know the answer, right, but what, <laughs> but... But depending on the question, right, it could definitely be answered in so many different ways. And I'm like, that's 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 sometimes how my brain works. It's like, it could have been this answer too. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> and that's the thing about Martin. That was the. It, it just you talked about the chemistry, and you saw. I mean, come on, the Cole, Cole was bold, was, man. Come on, man. He wasn't yeah, he was. To say he, the, was. He, he wasn't afraid to say the ester role was sexy. Come on. <laughs> The, the mama from Good Times, you know, you love that gap in her teeth. You know you loved it. You know mm. you loved it. Mm. <laughs> mm. You look at her and you just think Thanksgiving. Mm. Thanksgiving. Mm. <laughs> Wintertime. Yummy. <laughs> now, today, are you more recognized for cockroach or coal? Um... I would have to say Cole. Okay. Okay. I would have to say Cole because it's like a whole it's like a whole new generation 
that knows who I am. Right. You know, that and their sense. parents, it's like, you know, their parents, like the, 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 the people who grew up watching me in the 90s who are parents now, they're, they're introducing their kids to that show because that's their favorite show. Right. So, Definitely. You know? It was, it was very sad when I saw Martin writing on the wall his signature, and that was the end of the show. <laughs> yep. Still puts a tear in my eye today. Yeah, yeah, I missed those checks as well. <laughs> it was very yeah, sad for me, too. I, was like, I, I can imagine. I can imagine. I, I need you to clear up some perceptions about you that are out there. First off, okay. there's a perception out there about you that after Martin, you went to be some kind of used car salesman or, or something like that. Clear that up. Yeah. Um, that was after Martin. That was, that was years ago. I mean, okay. It was I was I was working uh I was doing um I did a lot of different things. I did three other shows after Martin. I did a million okay. things after after that. I was researching a role which is actually in it's out in Walmart right now. Um uh where I play a a used car salesman. And okay. I went to basically go through the whole process of of what that was like. And a friend of mine worked at a car dealership. He was like, he was like, you know, I, I can get you in with the general manager, you know what I'm saying? He's like, but if you really want to come see what it's like, you know, you got to just basically, and that's what I do with most roles. I, I try to dive in. I mean, obviously, I didn't have enough time to become a music exec <laughs> in this last role, you know what I'm saying? But had I had the time, I definitely would have interned at a, at a, at a record company or did something to where I could okay. be in that environment for a period of time. So I basically started doing that and um I wasn't I wasn't doing anything else at the time as far as acting is concerned and I was like, okay, I'm getting a check. Like this is a legitimate right. check. I'm actually working right now. This is a job. You know, and and it actually pays really well. Okay. And you know, I enjoyed doing it. So yeah, I did it. You know what I mean? You know, I mean, a lot of people out there in California or just all over, like, they expect you because you've done something or one thing that that's, you know, again, boxes, boxes. A job is a job. A check is a check. Taking care of your family is taking care of your family. And because you've been famous, because you know, there's so many people that live out of their cars or sit around waiting for something to happen and, and go broke or either end up on drugs or either lose their homes or whatever because they don't want to go do what's necessary. Right. You know you know what I'm saying? Because they're like, okay, I'm just going to sit around and wait for these auditions. Okay, well, you keep doing that. You keep doing that. <laughs> but I'm, I'm going to keep getting a check when I'm, when I'm, when I'm going to keep getting a check. You feel me? So At the end of a check is a check at the end of the day. Absolutely. And now I have other eat? things. I mean, I, I went to school for, for, for three different things anyway, so I have other things on my resume. Okay. That I can do and that I've done, you know what I'm saying? I have, I have, I have. Now I have firsthand knowledge of of how to run a car dealership. So now, when I, if I want, I can start my own car dealership. I right. have all the connections with all the the banks. I have all the connections with all the the auctioneers, and, and you know, it's like, okay. There's another perception out there about you. 
Um, in, mm-hmm. in terms of what happened with the whole Cosby show and the and the hair, did it come down to the hair? You know, I look at it like this, man. It, it's, it's when people are looking for a reason, they will find a reason. Okay. Um, you know, again, perception. You know, people thought that Bill Cosby was this this Jello pudding pop guy who loved children and it's perception it's perception you know what I mean he right. was not Perception's reality. He was not the person yeah he was not the person that everyone thought he was okay. all the time at all you know and it, it did come down it did and it didn't come down to the hair it wasn't a situation where I didn't want to cut my hair you know it's like telephone you get a piece of it and then next thing you know you think oh you know, then you, then someone tells someone else something, then the story changes, and the story changes, story changes. Bottom line was, we were doing an episode where I had to be bald headed, so okay. their makeup and hair dude pressed my hair with a hot comb to make it lay down, and we shot out of sequence. So the next time that you saw my hair, it wasn't looking the same as it was before. You know, it was looking a little straight or a little stringy or whatever. And he had this policy where he, he, you know, he didn't, he wanted like natural hair. He didn't like jerry curls and things like that, what, what have you. And, you know, he basically thought or said that I didn't obey the rules or follow the rules. You know, my thing was, I didn't even do this to my hair. Your makeup people did this to my hair. Right. You know, and so at that time, he was like, well, <clears throat> you know, since you don't know how to follow the rules and since you, you know, blah, 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 then we just going to have to, you know, put you on suspension or whatever, you know. And I was just like, you know, but again, then he t- the way he talked to me at the time wasn't like how you would talk to someone who's 15, 16 years old either. Okay. Okay. You know, and, you know, it got escalated and it got heated. But uh, it wasn't because I didn't want to cut my hair. No. Right. And at the end of the day, you know, is that is that something you fire somebody for? Is that something really? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Is that right. Is that the choice you make? You know? And there's other things that happened on the set, you know, that didn't have anything to do with me, and things that basically spoke as to perception and reality of who this person was. Right. You know. And a lot of that stuff and came to light later in life. And a lot of that stuff came to light later in life, as you saw. Yes. You know? His extracurricular activities and things he was yes. No, not him. Yeah. Yeah, him. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Any ill will? I don't know. No. Okay. No, okay. no, listen listen man. Listen, everything that happens happens for a reason. You know what I'm saying? In, in a season, I'm a I'm a firm believer in you know when you when you think you're being rejected, you're just being redirected. You feel okay. me? So I, I, I don't question I don't question that at all. You know what I'm saying? God has greater plans for me. Just like then, I knew you know it wasn't going to be a situation where they were worried about being blackballed. It's like man, you can't stop what God has for me. It ain't gonna never happen. Right. What's mine is mine. I was never Very concerned true. about that being an issue or a problem or whatever. It's like I'm gonna keep it moving. I did what I had to do. My time there was up. Move on. Definitely. Now, you know, the and, and no ill will. Go, no, no, go, go ahead. Go ahead. 
No, it was great. It was a great experience. I had a great time. I mean, it definitely led to uh, other things, you know. Applaud the man for what he did and what he does, you know, just as a as a black person who 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 established what should have been the the, the um the foundation, the precedence for where we should be in television today. I mean, you know, the things that he did for 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 us as a people and just actors and just everything in general. Like I applaud it. I'm nothing but props and respect. The NBA season is upon us. How, how do you see this thing playing out in terms of the NBA season? Miami three P. Do the Bulls challenge? Do you see the Pacers possibly giving the Knicks some problems? How about in Brooklyn, Kevin Garnett, Paul Pierce? How you do know you see what? this whole thing out playing out? Go ahead. Ah uh, man, it's it's a long season. It's too early to tell right now. It's definitely too early to tell. I definitely think Miami. Um, Miami has the best shot at being right back at the finals. Uh, okay. Uh, the Bulls, you know, with a healthy Derrick Rose, they got a shot at, 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 you know, definitely making it to the playoffs, you know, being a contender there. Um, you know, the, the team that I still say is going to be a, a team that you got to get by is, is, you know, in the East, you got, you got some teams you got to get by in the East, you know. I mean, if my boy Westbrook was healthy in OKC, that would have been a that would have been a whole nother story, right? A whole nother story with him healthy, you know. Um, the Rockets, I don't really see them doing too much damage this year, you know. I mean, I agree. I mean, come on, you know. So what? You got you, <laughs> all you did was add some more fluff to your team because he was he's a fluff wherever he goes, so it don't matter. <laughs> so you. You're a Lakers guy, so you're gonna have beef with Dwight Howard. I'm, I mean, I mean, I got beef because you came over there and you ain't doing nothing. You had a bad back. You know what I'm saying? What? What? Just stop it! Stop it! Stop it! Stop it! Stop it! <laughs> I, yeah, a bad back is called it's called no bone in it. That's what it's called. <laughs> That's why your back is bad because there's no bone in it. <laughs> you know? Come on, man! Come on. But in, so, in fairness to Dwight Howard, in fairness to Dwight Howard, that system really did not suit what he did. I'm not saying, listen, you know. stop with the systems. Stop with the systems. <laughs> you're a center. You're that big. You're a beast. Play ball. Stop it with the system. Cut it out. <laughs> Cut it out with the system. I don't want to okay. hear the system. System schmished them. <laughs> so, Look, okay, okay, so, so, so what you're trying to say is when – when when LeBron went to Miami, right, that that system mm-hmm. fit him better because Dwayne decided to step down or basically take a backseat a little bit or play a different role. You think he was used to that system? No, but Dwayne, here's the thing: Dwayne wasn't used to he wasn't used to that system, but he did it right. True, but here's the thing: I mean, we, we got the back issue coupled with a system that really he wasn't really comfortable in. You know, I understand. put that's that like, all together. That's like Patrick, Patrick Ewing's knee issue, right? That's that, that's where you're taking me, his knee issue. And that's why he did a finger roll two inches away from the basket instead of dunking yeah. it, right, because he had a knee. Yeah, I understand. I understand. Right. I got <laughs> he you. couldn't get that extra stretch. I understand. Seven, 17-foot-long arms, I got it. I know. If that's a healthy Patrick Ewing, that's a dunk. <laughs> right. I, listen, I totally understand. Totally understand. Because, listen, in the history of basketball, no one's ever played through pain and issues. 
right? Okay, wait, wait, yes, sir, has. Wait, yes, sir, has. Let's see. Broke fingers, still putting up points. Broke fingers, still putting up points. Um, the flu. Yeah, okay, I understand what you're saying. Like pneumonia, walking this. Yeah, yeah, back issues. I got it. Yeah, but, you know, you're talking, now you're talking about Michael Jordan. I mean, you're talking flu and all the other things. You're talking about <laughs> Michael Jordan. You're talking, you're talking about the cream of the crop. You're talking about a whole nother level. You know what I mean? So what do you think, what do you think he would be saying right now about these players? What do you think he's going to say? Michael Jordan? What do you, yeah, what do you think he's going to say? If you come at him oh. talking, about, talking about back issues or my knee, what do you think he's going to say? Ain't nobody got time for that. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, buddy. That's all I'm saying. That's all I'm saying. He's going to hit you with the ain't nobody got time for that, man. <laughs> but I, I, I see what you're saying. I, I, I just see what you're saying. And I don't, actually, if I was Dwight Howard, I would want to Houston, too, because you see the future in L.A., uncertainty with Kobe, Nash one of the oldest players in the game. You know, a lot of uncertainty in L.A. If I'm Dwight Howard... I think I would take my talent <coughs> to Houston if I was Dwight Howard. I would have made the same move. I thought it was the best move for him, especially if you're not happy in a particular system. If you're not happy in if the you're system. Not, if you're not happy in the system, that's okay. I understand that if you're not happy. But at least give the college try before you say you're not happy. So you're not happy in the system? I get it. I get it. So you're going to so move you're not, on and take your talent. Take your talent elsewhere. I need a prediction. Who's going to win this whole thing? Ooh, it's too early in the season to say. It's too <laughs> early. In, it's too, it is. I can't even give you a prediction right now. It's too early in the season. It's too early in the season. I'm telling. It's just like it's just like what we were talking about with football. Every team is one or two injuries away from changing the dynamics of True. everything. True. It's too early. It's too early in the system. Thirty games Please. in, I might have a better. We, let's have this conversation again, like thirty-five games in. Okay. Fair, but here's the thing about the NBA. Unlike football and all the other sports, it's only like four, five teams that you know are definitely going to win the title. So you could never go wrong if you just say the Heat's going to win it all. I mean, but that, you know, I don't, I don't even, I don't even like the way that rolls off my tongue, though. That's the point. I don't even like. Okay. I don't even. Okay. I can't even. It hurts me when I say it. <laughs> okay. It does. Understand. It, it makes my. It makes my stomach feel some kind of way when I got to say, when I got to even, that comes out of my face. I can't do it. <laughs> All right, fair enough. But, fair enough. But, but, but stepping aside from being a fan of, of uh, you know, my team, I would definitely say they got the best shot. They got the best right. shot at doing a 3 Yeah. And, that's just, I, I and that's, just talking, that's just talking straight basketball. Like, yeah, they got the, right. they got the best shot. They got the best shot right now at, at 3 Pete. Only thing that can stop him is if Dwayne Wade, he broke down the last two playoff runs, but, he, you know, when, he, when they needed him the most, he stepped up. That's the only way I can see them not winning if Dwayne Wade breaks down. You know what you're going to get from LeBron. If Dwayne Wade breaks down, then they're well, in Honestly, but we, just, we just found out what we're going to get from LeBron. We didn't know that. We just found out. It took us this long to just find out what we can get from LeBron. Last two years. Right, that's my point. Before that, no, we didn't know what we was gonna get. Or we, we, well, we could assume that we, or we could assume that we wasn't gonna get what we got the last two years, because consistently well, before that, consistently before that, he well, was not the go-to you, guy. You knew what you were gonna get in terms of points, 
assists, rebounds, and so on and so forth. Yes. In terms yes. of the NBA yes. Finals, maybe there were some questions along the way. But he he, right. he had to grow. It's it's growth. You know what I mean? He, he had well, to grow. You know, some some grow some grow slower than others. It's true. <laughs> some grow really really slow. True. Very true. Now, what's your what's your opinion on Battier as far as his his contribution to last year's win? Because some would some would some would argue that it was if it wasn't for him hitting those points either that that would have never happened, or it would have, or it would have been a, or or would have been a different different outcome. Are, are you talking Battier? Are you talking the, the Ray Allen shot? No, I'm talking. I'm talking Battier's contribution in the finals. Okay. Yeah, well, I mean, let's be honest. No one wins a title by themselves. Michael Jordan needed John Paxson to hit those. 1993. Michael Jordan needed John Paxson. Yep. I mean, you know, yep. your role players are. You need role players, and role players are there to do do their job. That's their job. That's their role. So. I mean, I, I, you hear it a lot. I mean, Robert Ory, the Lakers don't win some of That's those right. titles if it wasn't I, for Robert Ory. I will agree. I will agree. You know firsthand. You know firsthand. I will agree. So, so the way I see it is, you know, Battier, Ray Allen, uh, Haslam, all the role players, they got a role to play. They got to play their position. Mm-hmm. One man can't win a title. That's right. And – so well, one man can. One man. Well, look, one man did already. But I'm not gonna say that. Go ahead. <laughs> okay. Now we'll see what happens. We'll see what happens. Should be a great. Should be a great NBA season. Real quickly now. Yeah, I'm, def- I'm definitely looking. I'm definitely looking forward to to what what this season does. I'm excited about the trades. You know what I'm saying. So I'm definitely looking forward to see how how these things pan out. Real quickly now. What else do you have going on outside the TLC story? Talk about some of the great things you have going on. Um, wow. Okay. Well, um, my next, I got, I got two movie projects I'm doing right now. One is like a Christmas thing that I'll be starting next week. So it's supposed to come out around Christmas. Um, it's like a movie of the week though, not like a movie for the theaters. Um, what else? Um, Oh, I have a new sketch comedy show that I developed. Um, that's that's hilarious. It's 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 softer chain, and uh, it kind of reminds you of Wild and Out meets Whose Line Is It Anyway? Okay. Yeah. So it's it's gonna be it's gonna be real dope. So those are the, those are my next two projects. Now, where can fans connect with Carl Anthony Payne to find out about some of these great projects? They can uh, hit me on Twitter at the Carl Payne, and the same thing on Instagram. Um, I just got with a new web designer, so when they hit me on there, um, my website is kind of under the construction for like the next two weeks. But okay. then they'll definitely be able, you know, I'll definitely feed my fans and everything from through Twitter and Instagram. But then after that they can go directly they can go directly to the website and get all the content of everything that's upcoming, including including scenes from the sketch show and little skits that I'll be doing like every month. Um okay. that we'll be putting out on on uh YouTube and World Star and all that. Like it's it's about to be crazy. 
Carl, I can't wait for all the craziness, man. Appreciate you Absolutely. stopping by. Wish you nothing man, but the I best appreciate of luck you moving too. forward. Let's do it again. I appreciate you, too. We're going to do it. Look, Definitely. 35 games in. 35 games 35 in. 35 games in. Again. Okay, I'll, I'll hit All you right. up 35 games in. Carl Anthony Payne, one of the stars of Crazy, Sexy, Cool, which aired on VH1. Uh, great movie, actually. And, and Carl, he did his thing. Pleasure talking to Carl Anthony Payne. Funny guy. Funny story to tell. Fun, lots of funny stories to tell. Um, and it was good having him on. 35 games in. To the NBA season, we'll have him back. Carl couldn't come up with a prediction. Tried to get him to, to, to come up with something. Carl couldn't give us a prediction, as I said at the beginning of the season. Heat, Spurs, NBA Finals, Spurs, I mean, excuse me, Heat with a three-peat. But the Heat are one and two after three games. Should we be concerned? It's only three games. So let's not get too, too concerned. Sixers, Philadelphia 76ers are 2-0 and after two games. Um Charlotte Bobcats are one and one after two games. Phoenix Suns are two and zero after two games. Stop it! Stop it! Stop it! Stop it! Let's get and prepare and see what happens as the season progresses. It's a marathon, not a sprint. I want to move now to the World Series. The Boston Red Sox put the St. Louis Cardinals away in six. Access what I predicted, by the way. Big Poppy, the MVP of the World Series. I know that he. I know he loves it when they call him Big Poppy. I mean, he, he was just absolutely amazing in that World Series. I mean, 688 batting average, 11 hits, two home runs, seven runs scored, eight walks. I mean, Big Poppy was big time in that World Series. And, you know, he, he was big. And he was big throughout the course of these playoffs, big hits after big hits. And, you know, probably, you know, just looking at this run that the Red Sox had and how they got here, probably the biggest hit was that grand slam in game two against the uh, the Detroit Tigers in the ALCS because the reality of that particular situation is <clears throat> Tigers were on the verge of going up 2-0 and they were going back to their building. Tigers were on the verge of going up two games to nothing. Two games to nothing. They were on the verge of completely and absolutely taking over that series. And then Big Poppy did what big players do in big situations, at big moments, in big times. Big Poppy hit that big grand slam, and ultimately, ultimately, it was enough to get that game into extra innings, and it was enough for the Boston Red Sox to win that particular game and ultimately the series. Ultimately the series. He loves it when you call him Big Poppy. And the thing about that game, you know, you, you you lose it, you're down 2-0, and then you go to Detroit to play the Tigers for three straight games. So at that point, even though the Red Sox were able to take two out of three against the Tigers in Detroit, but at that point, you figure Detroit has two games to win three, 
I think the momentum of the series changes. I think a lot of things about that series changes. But Big Poppy did big things, and he continued those big things in the World Series, and ultimately the Red Sox were able to get it done. A lot of crazy things in this World Series. You had the obstruction called. And I do think, and a lot of people have been talking about it, but I do think they need to change that rule. I think intent needs to matter in that situation. Even though I think, I, I mean, it's like he put his legs up. So I, I think there was a level of intent, in my opinion. But, again, I think that that needs to be, I think intent needs to be brought into that in terms of obstruction. And then you have uh, the, the runner getting thrown out to end the game. I mean, that's a rarity. You don't see that every day. I mean, thrown out. You don't see that every day. Runner thrown out to end the game. So it got, it got crazy in St. Louis. It really did. It got crazy in St. Louis. And, you know, the two games in St. Louis. One, walk-off obstruction. Secondly, another, runner gets thrown out to end the game. You, you can't get thrown out in that spot with uh, Carlos Beltran at the plate. Yeah, that, that can't happen. That cannot happen. You cannot down two runs with Carlos Beltran at the plate. You can't get thrown out. That's just something that just cannot happen. Can't happen. Well, it did happen, and ultimately, the Red Sox were able to win. But a lot of you know, a lot of talk has been about Big Poppy, and you know, in the steroids situation. I mean, as we all remember, Big Poppy was on the Mitchell Report. You know, Big Poppy apparently tested positive for a performance-enhancing drug. He doesn't know how it happened, still doesn't know to this day how it happened, but apparently it's happened, and it has happened. It happened, 2003. And you look at Big Poppy now, and the, the thing is, you know, we, we, we forget about it when it comes to Big Poppy. We don't forget about it when it comes to A-Rod and, and the Bonds and you know, McGuire, and, uh, you know, I, I wonder why. I mean, Big Poppy, prominent player, but I, I guess at the same time he's not as, he wasn't as prominent or not as prominent or even, you know, even not as, obviously not as good as, as an A-Rod or, or a Barry Bonds. I mean, you talk Barry Bonds and A-Rod, you're talking possibly greatest, you're talking, they're in a discussion of greatest of all time, not to say they are because obviously performance-enhancing drugs may have played a role in some of their greatness. I mean, Bonds, you know, this guy, he would have been great regardless of performance-enhancing drugs. Greatest of all time, home run king, would he have been that without performance-enhancing drugs? Maybe and probably not. A-Rod, you know, obviously he's a talented guy, but on two occasions he's tested, you know, he's been evolved on some level with performance-enhancing drugs. So we don't even know if he ever played a clean inning in his life. But you look at Big Poppy and, you know, even before he came to the Red Sox with the Minnesota Twins, he wasn't as great as he became. And, you know, a lot of people are talking Poppy in terms of uh, Hall of Fame, 431 home runs at this point in his career, three World Series championships, and a World Series MVP as well to boot. So, Poppy, if we're going to talk about A-Rod and, and Bonds and McGuire and Clemens and all these guys as not being in the Hall of Fame because of what they did with performance-enhancing drugs, I don't know if we can talk Poppy as a Hall of Famer either. He was stained on some level. He was on the Mitchell Report. So 
Obviously, Poppy's numbers aren't as great as Clemens Bonds um, and those guys, A-Rod. Obviously, Poppy is not as good as Clemens Bonds, A-Rod. Obviously. He's not as good as those guys. He's not on that level. So, in terms of talking Hall of Fame and Big Poppy, I got some questions. If we're going to start talking about, you know, this guy is done. He can't be on. You know, uh, Bonds can't be on. Clemens can't be on. We can't. If we're not going to put those guys in the World Series, there's no way you can put Big Poppy in the World Series. No way. And it's funny. I mean, and, and, I, and I'm thinking, and I'm just thinking because, because I think maybe because you, you got A-Rod who was on the verge of being the quote-unquote clean home run king. You have Bonds who is the home run king. Asterix, so a lot of people want to put that. Uh, Clemens, obviously, some of the great things he did, you know, in, in his late 30s into his 40s. I mean, it was just absolutely amazing. I mean, guys don't do what Roger Clemens did. Guys don't do that. That's not normal in your late 30s to have the type of success that Clemens had, even Bonds for that matter. Poppy's 37. I, I'm just saying, you know, I'm, I'm hearing, uh, you know, Hall of Fame talk, and I, and I think – we can't talk Hall of Fame talk. If, if if Poppy's in, Bonds, Clemens, A-Rod are in. Palmero, throw him in there. Sosa, McGuire, put them all in. Put them all in. If you're going to talk about Big Poppy as a Hall of Famer, because, again, he was on the list. He was on the list. So he's no different than everybody else. Some people got the pass. You know, Pettit. We don't even, obviously Pettit didn't have the level of greatness as Bonds, McGuire, uh, Sosa, and all those guys. But but we we, we Pettit and and you know we, we forget about Giambi. We forget about these things. You know, we, we we tend to forget about it. And maybe if those guys were if if Pettit were ever to to return to prominence and have an MVP, be an MVP of the the World Series again, that's not, obviously not going to happen. If it, if it were to happen, if it was going to happen, obviously we probably would start talking about it again. But A-Rod's forever stained. Bond's forever stained. Clemens is forever stained. Poppy is not. It's just interesting. But I think if we're going to talk, Big Poppy as Hall of Famer, we got to talk to other guys as well. That's just the way I look at it. When we come back, we're going to be joined by one of the stars of Crazy, Sexy, Cool, Drew Sedora. She played T-Boss in that movie, big-time movie, great movie. We all loved it. We all enjoyed it. And we're going to talk to Drew Sedora when we come back. You're listening to Go For It on Block Talk Radio. Okay. Hey, what up? It's Corey Almeida, a.k.a. Corey Live, host of Picturica on the Hub and warm-up host for American Idol and Dancing with the Stars. And right now, you are listening to Go For It on Blog Talk Radio with my man, Paulie G and Jeremy. Get it! Getting it is what we do. Getting, this is, getting it, is, it is we have fun. We talk sports. We have fun doing it, and we're going to continue to do that. And we're going to bring her in now, one of the stars. One of the stars of TLC's Crazy, Sexy, Cool. Let's bring her in. Let's bring her in now. One of the stars of Crazy, Sexy, Cool, the TLC story, actress Drew Sedora. Drew, how are you? I'm awesome. I'm wonderful. Thanks for having me. Thanks for joining us. Now, Drew, major buzz around Crazy, Sexy, Cool, 
the movie was the highest rated original movie in the history of VH1. When you hear those numbers, how does that make Drew Sedora feel? Oh, definitely excited, very blessed, you know, it's uh, part of history, TLC was like, you know, super iconic and historical, so to be a part of it and do such a great job that the fans really, you know, um, to hear that the fans support it and loved it and had nothing but great things to say, obviously, you know, you can kind of exhale all the work you put into it, definitely paid off, so we were very, very excited, like very, very just overwhelmed with the support. You know, we got a lot of heat when when we first um, got announced as the cast. So obviously, to put all our okay. work um, into the project and and just work, you know, put our everything, give our very best. Obviously, you know, we're very feeling very rewarded at this point. Very excited, very thankful to the fans as well as Chili and T Boz, you know, for definitely making it happen and really working with us and making sure we gave the best performance that we possibly could. Now, how did this role come about for you? Um, this role came out in Chicago. I got the audition, obviously, you know, for my agent and my manager. And they um, literally were like, you know, you need to come in for this role, this audition. And I'm like, oh, my God, I'm in Chicago. So I put myself on tape. Um, my mom taped me in the bathroom of our in, in my mom's house with, like, a white sheet hanging up behind me. And I put it through my iMovie on my Mac, and we sent it off. And they you know, definitely accepted it, which normally never happened. So I knew it was very divine and meant to be um, with that, you know, because normally you need to be there in person. And then I was right. able to uh, Skype my call back with the director, Charles Stone the third, and that never happens either. So I definitely feel like it was definitely meant to be in every way, right. um, even from just the way I got the role, very unorthodox. Now, you specifically auditioned for the role of T-Bots? I did. I, they sent me the audition for T-Boz, and I started to research okay. the role and, you know, found that there were a lot of similarities between the two of us. Um, and they were, I guess, I recently heard in an interview T-Boz say she was frustrated at that point. She hadn't found anyone to play her. And when she saw my okay. tape, she knew right from seeing it that that was, that was it. I was her. I was, you know, definitely, um, you know, that person that was meant to play her. Right. And... From that point on, I just continued to research as much as I you know, on YouTube and on Google and everything and um, did my research, did my work, and uh, definitely um, excited and humbled when I found out that I did get it. I mean, if you can only imagine, you know, right. finding out that you're playing, playing T-Boss T- T- from TLT, who was definitely, definitely my inspiration and my idol. I was, like, crying. I was on my knees thanking God. I was like, oh, my God, this is incredible. And just not because, you know, I was such a huge fan, obviously, but also because as an actress I was going to be able to challenge myself and grow and, and just continue to stretch myself. And and um, all the things that I've learned throughout my career, this was definitely going to put those those to test. So I was like, oh, my God, just overwhelmed, like kind of an out-of-body right. experience, so to speak. Now, T-Boz and Chili were the executive producers of this movie, one of the executive, two of the executive producers of this movie, I should say. How often were they on set? How hands-on were they with this project? Oh, very hands-on. They were on set, you know, every day, if not every single day, definitely every other day. They, they would pop in and, you know, sometimes just be in the cut, you wouldn't even know they were there. But they definitely wanted to lay their eyes on certain things, I think, make sure or that the look of it was coming out how they envisioned it and that, you know, we were staying focused and doing 
um, what they believed in us to be able to do, have the ability to do. It definitely the dancing scenes and performance. They were there okay. just to lend their, you know, wisdom and knowledge and help um, make sure we our arms were straight and, you know, all that stuff. So <laughs> just wanted it to be the best. So they were very, very hands-on. Now, you said they were mostly in the cut during the filming of this particular movie. But were there any points, at any points, did you see their emotion after various emotional scenes of that particular movie? Did you see their reaction at all? No, they didn't come on scenes that were more so emotional. Um, I remember Shirley saying she didn't want to be around for that, just to relive that. They had already lived it, you know, in real life, so they didn't necessarily want to be there. But they were mostly there for, you know, scenes that they felt were important, like the performance scenes. Okay. uh, those were important, certain when they first got their deal at LaFace. And, um, you know, sometimes we would hear they were there and didn't necessarily see them just because okay. we were on set working. And, you know, they just really wanted to make sure they didn't interfere with whatever it was that we were working on and they didn't want to add too much into thro- into throwing us off of what we had kind of prepared. So they really right. had a great balance of trust and trusting us and letting us do what they had hired us to do as well as just lending advice and help where needed. So, you know, sometimes, like I said, they were in the cut. We didn't even know they were there right. um, unless there was something specifically they saw that they wanted to add input in. They would then, you know, vocalize it. But they most of the time would talk to our director because, you know, still you want to okay. – it's still a film, you know, so you still want to have your right. point of reference and talking to your director and getting information from your director because at the same time, you know, they entrusted him to do the phenomenal job that he did do, right. <laughs> that we all mm-hmm. witnessed. Charles Stone is freaking amazing. But, mm-hmm. um, you know, they just had a great balance of allowing us to know and encourage us. Um, and they were more like cheerleaders, you know. Times where we were more nervous, they were like, you got this. Take a deep breath and do what you do. So it was awesome having them there when they did come. It was just an amazing feeling because they supported us so much. Definitely. We're talking to one of the stars of Crazy, Sexy, Cool, the TLC story, Drew Zadora. And, Drew, you talked about some of the stage scenes and some of the the video reenactments. I thought one of the cool things about this particular movie was how they had you guys, Kiki Palmer, Little Mama, yourself, in the videos, reenacting the videos such as Waterfalls and, I believe, Creep as well. I mean, talk about the making of some of those videos, the reenactment of those videos. Oh, that was chilling. Definitely Scrubs, I would say, was the most chilling because we actually wore their their costumes. So okay. obviously, my goodness, wearing their costumes was just like, you, you couldn't help but feel like TLC at that moment. Um, but the choreography, I think, even in Scrubs was the most challenging because it was the most intricate type performing that I think we had seen TLC do at that point in their career. And... Um, for just the hair and makeup, you know, that was a lot of fun recreating those looks. And um, the set, you know, was so futuristic, and um, we were dancing in those platform heel boots. That wasn't easy. So it was very challenging, but I think the most exciting as well. We shot that. It was like 4 or 5 in the morning. We were filming that video, and we didn't care because we were just, we had so much energy because we had looked so forward to shooting and recreating that one in particular. But we had a lot of fun recreating Creep, obviously. Ooh, on the TLC yeah. tip, you know, going back to the total baggy look, and it was it was a lot, a lot of fun, a lot of fun. Now, you, when you look at this movie, and when I watched the movie, you know, the TLCs, their lives were so public, so we knew a lot about them. 
when I when I was watching a movie, you you knew certain things were coming up. You knew certain things were about to happen. But was there one thing that you didn't know that you later found out when you did this when you did this movie about TLC? I think what was so shocking, you know, it, it, about this movie, we knew the headlines. You know, we knew right. the rumors. We knew certain things that we heard, but we really didn't know. And so I think just like we knew, okay, TLC's broke, but we didn't know how or why or how broke. So seeing how they went through, you know, they went through it in, in, in such a way that you really felt like you were on this ride with TLC. So right. we knew when they found the contract how it happened. And then, of course, when you saw the scene where Left Eye or Little Mama broke down the numbers, you know, to how they ended up right. broke, I think it cleared up a lot of the rumors and educated the public on how it went down and how they didn't have any money. People thought it was because maybe they overspent or they didn't manage their money properly. But I think, you know, it was just learning how it happened and how it could really happen to any one of us, you know. Um, right. And I think that was the shocking part. And to get an insight on Left Eye, you know, her state of mind and her backstory as to what made her do certain things. You couldn't walk away looking at her saying, okay, she's just crazy or messed mm -hmm. up. You kind of gained an understanding to her, the person, and, you know, see that she was just dealing with a lot, and as a lot of people, you know, that we know. And I think it just made them relatable. Um, T-Boss, obviously, with her struggle with sickle cell, we knew right. that she struggled with it, but we didn't know that every city she went to, she was going to and from hospitals and then going to stage and going back to hospitals. So I think just getting a look at their actual struggle Thing that they struggled, you know, so much more than we knew. I was shocked to learn that. So, for me, it was just looking at their struggle and really being able to relate it to my own life, you know, and seeing right. how they were able to continue, you know, continue to go on and still push push through their struggles, you know, and didn't give up. Um, I think was inspiring to me as well. Now, there were, were there times in the movie when you were acting out certain scenes where you were like, "Yeah, I remember that in the news, or I remember hearing about that." Oh, definitely. Um, you know, just hearing about her with sickle cell, definitely remember hearing it, but then being in that and, and, and getting to hear further what the doctors were then saying to her, that's the stuff we didn't hear. It was like, right. wow. And then she got up and, like, still went on stage and did what she had to do. Amazing, you know. Obviously, left eye, hearing that. Um, I didn't actually see Little Mama filming, so obviously when I saw it in the film, I was very shocked and how it came together and really what happened with the whole, the whole <laughs> him not buying her shoes, you know, and then just right. seeing that it was so much deeper than just him. It had a lot of, she had a lot of soul searching that she was finding, and that is the reason why she went to Honduras. You know, so it was just gaining understanding and really um, knowing all the details and the truth of the story because, you know, the headlines, a lot of things were rumors, a lot of things you heard, different variations of different things. So just getting the truth out, I think, for me, was like, wow, now I really understand what happened to them and pebbles and all that stuff. Right. We're talking to actress Drew Sador, one of the stars of Crazy, Sexy, Cool, the TLC story. And, and you talked about their situation with pebbles and, and the contract situation that they signed. You are in the music industry. You, you've done albums. Is, there, is the contract that they sign, is that fairly common in the music industry? Um, I think that normally, I think the lesson um, is that you can get, you know, obviously a, a bad deal, but having lawyers, uh, your own lawyers that you trust, I think that's what um, a lot of people can learn from this. You, you need lawyers to break it down so you fully understand 
what you're signing because it, you know Motown days back in the day you know a lot you heard you heard a lot about artists not having money or having to file bankruptcy and that was just due to the lack of these type of situations happening um, and I right. usually say you know they pioneered the industry in a way to make artists more aware and knowledgeable um, if they hadn't gone through what they had gone through as unfortunate as it was then we wouldn't have artists now that are more business minded and knowing that, okay, we can have label deals. You know, we kind of can own our own <laughs> publishing now. Um, right. I think back then, you know, you kind of just took what you got because you didn't know you could get more. So you just, okay, we can get a deal, great. We won't push our buttons or, or you know, push our luck and ask for too much. But they taught us in that situation that, no, this is what's fair, this is what's unfair. You have a right to get your own lawyer and fight for the things and negotiate. A lot of people didn't Definitely. know that term, negotiation, uh back then at all, so or conflict of interest even. So, um, you know, they pioneered that whole uh that whole view I think for artists to understand and know that you can become so much bigger than just an artist. You could be a producer, artist, you know, as well as own your own label. So Definitely, definitely. And and you look at it now. You look at T L C and they they had a sisterhood. And the movie showed the sisterhood that T L C had did you guys develop any level of sisterhood with you, Lil Mama, and Kiki Palmer on set or, or just off the set? Oh, definitely. I think chemistry, you definitely can't act chemistry. You know, chemistry is or it isn't. And I was very thankful and, and lucky and happy to have the type of ensemble cast that I did working with them. It made it so much easier because we really, truly did grow to love each other and bond and connect in a lot of ways on set, obviously. Um, but also off set, you know, we did spend time uh, with each other, you know, just bonding and talking and getting to know each other. So that way when we did get on set, I think it made it more genuine and feel a lot, you know, it felt like you were watching the real TLC. That's all, That's what we wanted to do. But right. even since the movie is wrapped, you know, we, we do keep in touch and, um, really do have a bond that I think, you know, it, that won't be separated no matter what. And, and TLC has had many, many hits over the years, and No Scrubs kind of messed up my life. I mean, I didn't have a license to the age of 24, Aww. so I was sitting on the passenger side of my best friend's ride. I mean, so TLC messed up my life for a little bit. But overall, what, what's Aww. your favorite TLC song? Man, I would say, I mean, for me, Waterfalls, I think, I learned all the lyrics, even Lisa's rap. That was just so, I mean, first of all, the story, the, the song was incredible. I was singing it before I really knew what they were talking about. But once I saw the video and heard the lyrics, I was like, wow, they are deep, you know. They were girls that had such a message and talked about things that people really weren't talking about, you know, AIDS and HIV and right. safe sex. And just, you know, even lyrically, Waterfalls having to break down what they were actually talking about. And just the fact that was the first time we saw them looking, you know, more like young women and sexier and growing up. I just remember that being my favorite, favorite TLC song. Okay, okay. So you were a big Waterfalls fan. I mean, it, it's kind big, of... huge. It's kind of hard to pick out your favorite TL song, TLC song because there are so many hits. I don't know. Some days I think it's, for me, it's baby, baby, baby. Other days it's digging on you. I mean, I don't know. Yeah. I mean, I don't know how you, I don't know how you did that. Yeah, I just, that was the first memory I had of like, 
because I was young, you know, when TLC came out. Mm-hmm. So I just remember, you know, TL- Waterfalls was like my first, you know, introduction to really who they were. So that song always stayed with me, you know, before I even really knew the group, I knew the song. So as soon as I hear Waterfalls, it takes me back to a time where I was just kind of learning who TLC was. And then as I started to learn, you know, then I was like, oh, my God, Creep. You know, my friends and I would put ourselves on tape doing the dance moves and choreography to Creep. And then, of course, going back, you know, as you just start to fall in love with the group, then you start to, then I realized, okay, baby, 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 and just had other songs that I liked. But my first introduction to TLC was Waterfalls. So for me, that'll always stay because that's just, oh, you know, certain songs, you know, you relate to certain artists. But obviously, I mean, I had every single one of TLC's albums, fan mail, you know, Crazy Sexy Cool, and I even went back and got on the TLC tip even, like, after I had those other two albums. Just because at that point I was like, oh my god, this group is just incredible. So, yeah, they they have hits upon hits upon hits. Even with the new Twenty album, I'm like popping in my CD player. I'm like, oh my gosh, but they have all those songs <laughs> on one album. It's crazy. <laughs> yeah, definitely, definitely. Now, uh, growing up, I was reading that you are you were a tomboy. Now, were you are you a big sports fan at this point in your life? Oh my gosh, huge football favorite sport ever. Who's your team? I go to football games. Chicago Bears, of course. Okay, okay. Well, as Even we though we're in a Chicago- little rebuilding yeah. season right now, it's okay. You know, we're in the, uh, you know, we just have a couple injuries, so we're just yeah. um, going to heal up and get ready for next season. It's always next season. <laughs> so you still believe in your quarterback, Jay Cutler? Yeah, it's pretty bad. When Cutler's gone, you know, it's like a wrap for us um, yeah. right now. So, and then Lance Briggs, of course, being out, we definitely, definitely. you know, got to just say, all right, we'll let, you know, Peyton Manning see what he can do with Denver. Maybe they'll get a run. Um, so we're, just, <laughs> we're in the recouping we're in the recouping uh, phase this season, rebuilding season. So it's all good. I, I have faith in my Bears. Hopefully next year we'll be able to come out healthier, stronger, you know, pick up some good trades for next season. We'll see. We have a new coach. So, yeah, we're, we're on a, good, a very good track. Okay. Because once well, the Bears well, we... win – we kind of win for, like, the next straight three years. So we'll let the other teams get a chance now. So, so we'll see what happens with the Chicago Bears <laughs> moving forward. We we know you're doing big things with Crazy Sexy Cool. What else is going on with Drew Sedora? I am so excited about Dreammakers Foundation. I'm excited about my kickoff November 9th at the Roseland Reformed Christian Church in Chicago. Um, I'm mm-hmm. from Chicago, so obviously, you know, I'm really dedicated to my city with all the violence that's taking place. I'm really wanting to give back and um, going back home to have my official kickoff. So I'm, I'm just very passionate about that, and as well as my music, um, Sign of Slip and Slides. So my single is gearing up for a release that I'm extremely excited about. Um, and then I just took on my first leading lady role. So this this film has been such a blessing. It's opened up so much right. more opportunity for me. Um, and I'm just really conscious to make sure everything I do from this point forward will have that type of impact, you know, definitely work to do more roles and projects that are inspiring, you know, that have an impact such as this film did. And just to be to challenge myself as an actress. So I got my mobile app. You can definitely text Drew Sedora to 72727 to keep updated with everything I'm doing. And, of course, Twitter, uh, Instagram, follow me. Website, 
Now, Drew, I was reading an interview from you, and you were saying, and this is near, this movie is near and dear to my heart, Boomerang. You were talking about how Boomerang was one of your favorite movies, and when I tell people that Boomerang's my favorite movie, people look yes. at me crazy. You people know look what? at me crazy when understand. I tell them that's my favorite movie. They don't understand. First of all, it's hilarious, okay, just the dynamics of what was going on in that movie. Um, you know, it's so entertaining. But it just wasn't your typical storyline. And I tend to like films that stand out, Boomerang definitely being one. And you had so many, like, legendary superstar actors in the beginning stages of their careers popping up in that movie. It was crazy. Right. Um, and for me, it was empowering, you know, to see women in the roles in Boomerang. I mean, all the way from Grace Jones, you know, mm-hmm. all the way down, I mean, to see her pop up in that type of role, that was not your typical role you would see a woman in a lot of times. Um, Robin Givens, oh, my gosh, just being that strong, strong woman that turned and flipped the game on a man. Come on, as a woman, you can't help but give props to Robin Givens. <laughs> like, you don't ever see women that strong in that type of a role. Normally it's a woman crying about the man. Right. So, I mean, that for me was very empowering. Um, you know, Holly Berry, I mean, come on. Um, one of her beginning films, seeing her in that role being so artistic and just this sweet girl, the girl next door, very relatable. I mean, just all the women in there for me were empowering. And I just loved seeing beautiful African-American women in these roles, just acting a fool with the cast, just making you laugh, Eddie Murphy. Um, and I just, it's one of the classics that I can watch any day of the week on a Saturday when it's raining outside. Like, that is definitely in my DVD player. <laughs> Definitely. I, I, people sleep on that movie. And, and Eddie Murphy, it, it was him doing something a little differently. It, it wasn't your typical Eddie exactly. Murphy type of role. And, and I don't think a lot, exactly. of, a lot of people are sleep on that movie. It's, it's one of my favorites, and I don't care what anybody says. It's okay. Says. We'll hold it down. We'll hold it down. We'll get the word <laughs> out, definitely. I love that you love it. <laughs> now, and, and before we get out of here, I enjoyed you on the game, by the way. I, I really Thank did. You. I enjoyed you on the game. You gonna come back? I appreciate that. Um, well, it'll be kind of hard seeing as all my people are gone. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> be kind of lonely. Who am I talk to? Um, who am I gonna talk drama with? Um, you know, I would love to, but it's it's one of those things where you know it has its season, it has its time, and I think for the game, you know, with great people coming in and then leaving, you know, it's one of those things. If I ever did, it would have to be definitely a reunion show if, if my people came back, but. Right. You know, letting the new people come in and have their time on the show and start some new drama. Um, so I definitely am thankful for that time because we had such a ball, um, yeah. you know, during yeah. the game. I mean, it was definitely one of my favorites. My, one of my faves. Drew Sedora. Drew Sedora. You remember that role? I remember that. Uh, oh, my scene. God, that was so <laughs> funny. Yeah, Pooch, working with Pooch. Actually, Jose is one of my best friends for, like, the last 10 okay. years. Um, so it was like it was like family. We grew such a great bond together. And when I was on the show, you know, it was when it was on the CW, and we didn't really know it was going to be such a hit like it was. So everyone was just in a place of hoping that people would love the show and just, you know, giving their best and just wanting to make the show and hoping people. And we just didn't know. We were so like, oh, God, I just hope people like the show. So now looking back, I mean, it, obviously what a hit it was. I'm like, wow. You know, we were just young kids doing what we love and hoping that people receive the show. But I think ultimately people did because the show was just so relatable. You know, it was Definitely. real. It was very real. 
um, me playing the other woman. It's like people might have felt some type of way, but I'm like, woman, how many women out there have been lied to by a man? And usually all the hands in the room go up. I'm like, okay, either you're the girlfriend, you know, that's, that's being cheated on and lied to, or you're the girl that the guy says, you know, he doesn't have a girlfriend. And you fall in love, and you find out he's not only has a girlfriend, he has a wife and kids. You know, it's it's one of those real real life unfortunate situations. And I took on that truth of that that storyline, right. and it was it was awesome. I loved it. <laughs> Drew, it was awesome talking to you. Pleasure talking to you. We wish you nothing but the best of luck moving forward. Great job and crazy, sexy, cool. We hope to have you on again at a later date. Hope all is well. Let's do it again. Thank you. I appreciate you for having me. And hopefully, yes, when I get my music, you'll have me back on the show. Sounds good. Take care. Awesome. Thank you. God bless. You too. Drew Sidora, one of the stars of Crazy, Sexy, Cool, the TLC story. I mean, <clears throat> interesting story, obviously. Great story. Funny story. Some parts funny. I mean, sad. I mean, it's just a it's just a person's life, people's lives, three people's lives, and it was just a great story. I want to go back to the NFL now and uh, Cincinnati Bengals. I mean, we we saw them the other day against the Miami Dolphins. Ultimately, they were losing that game. They would lose that game in overtime. Uh, a walk off safety, a walk off safety, something you rarely see has been seen. What three times now in the National Football League? And I, I look at the Cincinnati Bengals, a team now that was six and two coming into this game, and when is this, you look at this game, and there are times when you start to believe in this team. There are times you see 49-9 to against the New York Jets. You see just this team looking dominant. You look at the quarterback play. You're getting big-time quarterback play from Andy Dalton the past few weeks. I mean, you saw a lot of various signs from this Bengals team, and then you saw yesterday, I mean, before – you know, they were on a four-game winning streak with victories over the Patriots, the Lions, the Bills, and the New York Jets. I mean, so they were, you know, Patriots obviously was a big-time victory, shut down Tom Brady, didn't allow him to score a touchdown, didn't allow the Patriots to score a touchdown. So that's big time. That's big time. Detroit, in Detroit, and Detroit's a pretty good football team, 5-3, and three, and you find a way to get that done. Obviously, last week, the Jets coming off a victory over the Patriots. You go against the New York Jets, you blow them out 49-9, and nine, and then you come back with this type of performance. I mean, Andy Dalton, Andy Dalton didn't throw an interception in a long time, and he threw a couple in that game against the Miami Dolphins. You know, he just, every time, you stand, I have the Bengals going to the Super Bowl. I, I picked them to go to the Super Bowl when the season started. But every time you you want to believe in the Bengals, every time you're prepared to, to put them in that elite level every time, or at least this time at least, you know, they tend to let you down. And Andy Dalton, a decent season to this point. But the key for Andy Dalton is what's going to happen in the playoffs? What are you going to do in the playoffs? Because the past two times you've been in the playoffs, you didn't play very well. And you're possibly one of the reasons that the team did not win those games against the Texans, even though I don't think the team at the time really was good enough to beat the Texans. But anyway, we'll see what the Bengals can do moving forward. I want to thank Carl Anthony Payne for stopping by. Also, want to thank Drew Sedora, Drew Sedora, excuse me, for stopping by. Also, want to thank Carolina Panthers defensive end Charles Johnson.
for stopping by. You can listen to this show and other great shows at blogtalkradio.com slash PN, where you can listen to this show and other great shows. Follow us on Twitter at GoForItGant, G-O-F-O-R-I-T-G-A-N-T. Also, hit us up on the, our YouTube channels to listen to some past interviews, youtube.com slash user slash Go for again. Again, you can listen to this show and other great shows, blogtalkradio.com slash PKN. For everybody here at Go For It, we hope you have a great week. See you later. Take care.